This is Jennifer Egan with the 10-Minute Writer's Workshop. And I'm Virginia Prescott. Conventional linear narratives are not really Jennifer Egan's thing. She's a shapeshifter of fiction, jumping through time and space and voices and forms. She's written a gothic novel, a short story composed of tweets, and in the Pulitzer Prize winning A Visit from the Goon Squad, a kind of novel as concept album. Jennifer Egan takes on historical fiction in her newest book, Manhattan Beach. We called her at her home in Brooklyn to ask about her process and how she begins her wildly imaginative books. I tend to begin with a time and a place, and that's really all I need. Although sometimes there are some abstract questions that have been floating through my mind for quite a while. So, for example, with my new book, um, Manhattan Beach, I had been thinking about the trajectory of American global power and also about the origins of that trajectory, which really are around the time of World War II. And so those are obviously very dry, (laughs) abstract questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also, I I guess, one sort of atmospheric question along with that was, uh, what did it feel like to be in New York during World War II? Mm. And I was thinking about noir movies, um, that kind of, you know, both the, the sort of dread that any fear of invasion can bring. But then when I actually sat down and started writing, I discovered who was in the book and what would happen. I'm really relying on my on my subconscious or my unconscious to generate whatever material it is that I will end up working with to make the book. And so I write fiction by hand, and I write it fairly blindly and unthinkingly. My best material always comes that way. So you've got this time, place. You start, it sounds like, seeing some images that you want to work with to put meat on it. And then what, go into a zone? Do you, how, do you, how do you get there? The writing itself seems to get me there. I think there may be something sort of meditative about handwriting for me. I just begin in a moment, and I follow the action forward. It's a rather unthinking process. Of course, there are lots of wrong moves and, and terrible writing that come out of that. It's a little bit hard for me to say you know, how it happens, because it is a somewhat unconscious or instinctive process. You know, I guess maybe I would liken it to improv, Mm. let's say. You put actors into a position, and they kind of roll with it and see what they can come up with. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. That that's sort of what it's like in the first draft. Once I have a complete draft, then I read it and I make a very, very detailed revision outline. Then I kind of say, okay, what is this? How can I make it better? What are the specific steps I need to fulfill to make it better? And then I, I, you know, begin a process of editing that takes years. When you're actually doing the writing, you said there's a lot of terrible writing. Can you feel when it's going well, when it's not going well, or does that come after going back and rereading? I can sense it sometimes, but there are things that I, I mean, sometimes I'll be excited as I'm writing, and then I later discover that it's not good. I can't always trust that. I do have a writing group that I rely on pretty heavily as part of my process. They don't come into the picture until after I have a complete draft and I'm in the revision part. So just in that raw outpouring phase, 
yes, I'll feel kind of quickening in moments and be excited. Um, but I can also, you know, it's not a sure thing that if I feel excited, it's it's necessarily good. And there's a lot of disappointment when I read through that that first draft now typed up and subjected to the rigors of a typeface. You know, it's very, very rough. It's lurching and, and crude and dreadful in many parts, but hopefully there are enough interesting moves to build a book around. Hmm. Uh, interesting to hear you describe it as moves because a lot of your books, well, they, they've changed. You know, the, the, your first book, Invisible Circus, coming-of-age story, Look at Me. This was a satirical story. The Keep, uh, a gothic novel. A lot of shifting inside of your war- body of work. Where, where does this come from, this sort of switching gears? Well, for me, the fun of writing is that it takes me out of my life, and it's a process of discovery. And in a way, that's what that blind, instinctive first draft is all about. It's about kind of tumbling into a new world that I want to inhabit for some period of my life. If I've just been inhabiting a world for some period of my life, my top priority is to not inhabit that same world. So it's almost that in my case, each book is in a certain sense a repudiation of the last. I want there to be no overlap between them. With Manhattan Beach, it was really a pleasure to move back in time to before my lifetime and specifically to move into a world where there were no small screens yet because my work has been very preoccupied with technology all the way through. And I think it was really time for me to just move away from that. And it was really fun, frankly, to move away from it. And interestingly, what that brought was a more straightforward mode of storytelling than I had used in quite a while. But I'm wondering if you're aware, as you're repudiating that last book or kind of exercising it on some level, it sounds like, now you've become a Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist, you know, an innovative novelist, creating a new voice. Is that kind of public persona, that public acceptance, does that crash into your private space as you're writing? It did a little bit working on Manhattan Beach because I, Manhattan Beach was definitely the hardest book I've ever written. And I think the reason for that is since I begin with time and place, since it's really the only concrete thing I start with and the only element of my own life that appears in my fiction, I really do use times and places that I know. In Manhattan Beach, I basically cut off access to my own life as a source of times and places. And that was really hard. So I felt like I I played to my own weaknesses at a time when I felt the pressure of expectations on me. <laughs> and that made for a pretty uncomfortable couple of years where I thought, wow, this book is really going to be terrible. And it's conventional. I've now been celebrated for supposedly being this great innovator, but right. I can't make any innovations work with this. It has to be streamlined. And it's lousy. I mean, so there were definitely a lot of times when I thought, I'm going to look really ridiculous here. And it was not pleasant. But, you know, I've had plenty of discouragement all the way along. Anyone in the arts has. And I think when you get to this point, if you've hung in there, it's because you're able to move forward even amidst very worrisome thoughts and even abusive thoughts in my own head. I can be a pretty tough boss of myself. <laughs> but, but yet you intuitively or instinctively set yourself up for that kind of discomfort. Where does that come from, do you think? 
<laughs> well, Dr. Freud, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, our 50 minutes are up. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know exactly where it comes from. I mean, I, I think that there's a kind of freshness or abrasion or alertness that comes about through discomfort. And the the inverse of that would be a sort of complacency and dullness that comes about through excessive comfort. And I think I'm willing to pay the price of being uncomfortable in order to get that that kind of jarring alertness that discomfort seems to give me. Mm. So for Manhattan Beach, it is said in the past, um, where do you begin with your research for something like that? And how do you keep it all straight? Is that all outlined? That's a great question. I mean, in this case, I researched for some years before I started writing, and I was working on other books all along the way. And again, time and place or a sort of sense of excitement about certain worlds guided me. So I started with New York during World War II. I began looking just at images of the city to see, see kind of what, what felt alive and sort of hot to me, if you will. And what I immediately found myself focusing on was the waterfront. I would say the water led me to all of the different worlds of the book, many of which I researched in an experiential way long before I started writing. So when I sat down to write, it was the first time that I began to actually know who would be in the book or what would happen. And of course, as soon as those specifics began to present themselves, I was immediately researching more because now I knew knew what I needed to know specifically. And so research happened throughout the process. Often I was frantically researching, even during that first draft, just to know enough to even blunder my way through a crude version of certain scenes. Well, what a pleasure getting a glimpse of your process. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me too. Thank you. Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Jennifer Egan's most recent book is Manhattan Beach. The 10-Minute Writers Workshop is a production of NHPR, produced by Sarah Plort with help from Taylor Quimby. Music in this episode from Release the Long Ships. If you know other people who'd like to hear how creators create, share the 10-Minute Writers Workshop with friends, or better yet, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. That's the most efficient way to help other book lovers, writers, and creatives find their way. Until next time, I'm Virginia Prescott with the 10-Minute Writers Workshop. Oh, you know what I wish? I wish we could use shipbuilding for a song to go out on. Do you know that song? Oh, no, but Okay, you you need to listen to I'm sorry. I'm just telling I'm telling Jennifer Egan what she needs to do. <laughs> sorry. 